Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, we continue our election coverage with a discussion of the issues facing candidates for the Pima County Board of Supervisors. The Pima County Board of Supervisors sets public policy for a range of key areas, taxes, roads, public health, economic development, natural resources, and how the county spends money in all of those areas. The supervisors represent five districts and hold four-year terms. All are up for election this year, with a Republican and a Democratic candidate running in each district. AZPM sent a survey to each of the ten candidates asking questions about their stance on various issues dealing with county government and policy. You can find all of their responses on our website, news.azpm.org. For this week's show, we invited a panel to discuss those responses and the general direction of Pima County. Amber Smith is president and CEO of the Tucson Metro Chamber. Betty Viegas was the longtime head of the Pima County Housing Department and earlier this year was appointed to finish Supervisor Richard Elias' term after he died suddenly. She is not running to serve a full term. And Dylan Smith is a longtime local journalist and editor and publisher of the Tucson Sentinel. Betty, you worked in county government for a long time, and following the sudden passing of former supervisor and board chairman Richard Elias this summer, you were appointed to finish out his term. What have you learned from your brief tenure on the board, and were there any surprises? I've learned that although I knew a lot about the county and the county departments and the county functions, there was a lot that I didn't know. And mostly processes, um, how to get things um, on the agenda. And I guess one of, the, one of the, the biggest changes for me was going from employee of Chuck Huckleberry to employer. And I really, even now, I, I still have a little bit of, a, of an issue with that at times. So I constantly have to be reminding myself that um, I go to him when I need things done and I need answers. And, um, so, and, and when they get done, it's very rewarding because um, when you're an employee, you just hope that they get to the top. But when you're there, when you're here in this position, you actually have a direct link. But I've also um, seen things um, in a different way as well. Let's move to the election uh, a little bit here. In the primary, former state representative Matt Hines beat incumbent Ramon Valadez in District 2 in the Democratic primary there. For all of you, was that a notable upset? I found that to be uh, pretty surprising. I wanted to say real quick, uh, Betty raises an interesting uh, point about the the matter of the, the learning curve for the new folks on the board. And no matter what the partisan composition of the Pima County Board of Supervisors ends up being after this election. It will have three new people on it who are, even though uh, you know, many of the folks who are running are experienced, capable uh, folks with you know, plenty of government experience under their belts, being in that body will be new to them. And that will be a, a majority of the board will be folks who are new faces up on that dais. Uh, that, in that one in, in particular, was, I think, a, a bit of a, a surprise. It's been uh, generations 
I think, since an incumbent on the Board of Supervisors was ousted in a primary in you know, quite a long time. Yeah, I totally agree. This is Amber, and not even just the incumbent, but Ramon has hardly been challenged in the years because it was just such a given that he was going to win. Uh, so I didn't hardly pay much attention to that race, except for the fact that, of course, Matt Hines has such name notoriety. I was definitely surprised. It, it was a pretty difficult night when I saw that um, that Ramon had lost. His leadership skills are different from Richard Elias's leadership skills, but nevertheless, I I do see where um, he he was here. I mean, he was here and continues to be here every day. You know, working. We have two other incumbents who are running, Democrat Sharon Bronson and Republican Steve Christie. They're both up for re-election. Based on their work in office, do you think voters will keep them in or will have uh, five new faces or four new faces on the board uh, after the election? I, I think um, out of those two incumbents, the one who there is a slight possibility he may lose will be Steve Christie, not because of uh, his work on the board so much as this is just not a very good year for Republicans running in Southern Arizona, I don't think. But he is in a very Republican district or one that at least has uh, traditionally been a very Republican district. There hasn't been a Democrat running in that uh, race for 25 years, something like that. Uh, you know, a, a very good long time. Nobody ever ran against Ray Carroll, really. So does Steve Diamond have a chance? Um, maybe, but, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be betting money. I'm not a betting man anyway, but I wouldn't be putting money down on the Steve Diamond, uh, Steve Christie race. When it comes to the makeup of the board, it is expected that we will politically have the same makeup, assuming, uh, Steve Christie wins his race. But gone is Allie Miller, who has been a big voice uh, for the Republicans on the board for a long time. How does that change the board? I think that's the most interesting race to watch. I think that seat will completely, uh, the dynamic of what that board uh, um, works through and how they work through it is completely dependent on that seat. Because she was so disruptive and it was difficult for uh for them to engage in dialogue whether or not they got consensus or not i think is is less important than than how the communication was i agree with amber totally that is the race to watch because i think the democrat has been pretty strong and his um his philosophies i think are in line with being a moderate and sensible, um, as opposed to um, the other person, Spain, running against him. Um, if you want more of the same disruption and unwilling to really listen and understand the issues, um, then you know people will go with with Spain. But if they really want um, some type of 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 at some level teamwork, if you will, um, I think that uh, Rex Scott would definitely be the better candidate, the better person to fill that the, seat. In, in that race, I think uh, 
it's it's not one where the partisan composition, the Democratic uh, Republican, uh, you know, edge would would uh, m make a difference, but it would certainly change the uh, dynamic on the board whether Democrat Rex Scott uh, beats uh, Ali Miller's uh, you know anointed heir in Steve Spain. As Betty was saying, uh, Scott is a candidate who is now a moderate. Democrat. He used to be a moderate Republican. He is a pretty moderate. And uh, that district has changed quite a bit over the past decade. There, it used to be a very Republican district as far as voter registration goes, where the GOP had at least a 10,000 vote advantage uh, just looking at registration. And now that's narrowed to maybe 3,000 votes, uh, maybe even less than that. And that really gives a Democrat a bit more of a puncher's chance running up there on the northwest side. Amber, let me ask you a question. As president and CEO of the Tucson Metro Chamber, what's your opinion of the business climate that county leadership has created in Pima County? And could the county do more to support local business? There's two ways to answer that. Because on one side of it, there has been frustration for businesses with COVID. And, and really what we were advocating for was one clear set of rules. Consistency across uh, with the city, the county, and the state. Uh, um, and, and that was really where a lot of the frustration, I think, from businesses is coming from right now is not necessarily the, the um, guidelines, but the fact that there were different guidelines and calling out certain industries versus others. But then on the other side of it, if you want to look at larger as far as economic development and the county's impact, they really have led in this community with acknowledging the importance and relevance of economic development. They have a very strong economic development department. They work actively um, with site selectors. They have the one-stop workforce development program, which is the extremely important economic development component. Uh, and so I would say from more of the community aspect, they are very strong for business in recognizing the importance of it. Let's stay on that topic for a minute, the topic of the pandemic. The county's made use of Federal CARES Act uh, dollars to, to help businesses, landowners, job training, uh, things that control the virus, like uh, some free testing around the county. And we know that this pandemic is not going away anytime soon. How do you think the board will weigh in the future, especially this new board, community relief versus a balanced budget and economic issues? For me, you need community relief in order to have economic issues, <laughs> a, a, a healthy economy. We really need to focus on the fact that businesses need consumers and they need healthy consumers. And so if you just focus everything on the business, on the bricks and mortar and the infrastructure of the business, they may not survive. So I think there's a balance, but I think that um, focusing on our public health has to be a priority. It has to be. And I was surprised by some of the answers that didn't even mention recovery. I love what Betty said on that with it's um, the balance. It, it, it is 
both sides of business, the consumer as well as the employer, employers have to sustain with employees and customers. So it's disingenuous to separate one from the other. I mean, business is part of community and that I think is the message that needs to be told more as opposed to, well, should there be more CARES Act money for business? Amber, what are some things do you think that the the county board between now and when the new board is sworn in and after the new board is sworn in needs to do to help business recover? Well, some of it isn't even practical, honestly. Um, the big things that we're going to hear about is rent. I mean, there is this notion that there is rent relief, and there's really not. It just means that you can't evict you, but that doesn't mean that what you owe in rent is still not accumulating. So getting creative, uh, again, it's all synergistic. It'd be great if there was some property tax relief, but that has to come from the state. But then the county that provides those services and relies on those funds are unable to provide those services. So, you know, I think having some consistency in messaging, I think giving some certainty in the public health aspect would be most important. This is what does our our new norm look like in that safe environment that get people out of their homes where they can feel comfortable doing so. They can go to work, they can shop, they can go to restaurants. That would be most significant is being able to create a, a sustainable safety public health model. One of the things we asked all the candidates who uh, who responded to our survey, which all of our listeners can see online, is if they support the county government establishing some kind of universal early childhood education in Pima County. It's an idea that's gained some traction in recent years. The responses were split along party lines. Most Republican candidates says said that was not the responsibility of the county but rather the Department of Education. Democrats supported the involvement of the county, arguing that early childhood education has a lot of social and economic benefits for society. Given that split, do you think this is an issue that will be taken up by the new board? It's still on the books, um, if you will. So I think it will. Um, I think with the new makeup of the board, it could potentially be even stronger. I agree, of course, with with uh, the the Democrat part of of this uh, of this issue, um, that it's important, and and I was again once again surprised. Well, not really surprised, but more saddened. I think that that they don't see um, this as an important issue. It is absolutely an economic development, workforce development issue. And we are meeting uh, all the way from the federal level to state to local on the importance of it. And not to say that the county should be the lead agency funding it, but they absolutely should have a role in a community statewide national partnership. Because this, if we do not get a handle on quality early childcare, and we are setting up ourselves for an absolute economic downfall generations to come. One of the big arguments that the board has had in recent years has been over funding for Operation Stone Garden. Republican candidates and Democratic candidate uh, Rex Scott said they would support the county accepting Stone Garden funds, which are federal grants used 
to support local law enforcement uh, who help with border enforcement duties. The current board voted against accepting those funds earlier this year, despite the request from the Republican Sheriff Mark Napier. Is the support for Stone Garden amongst the candidates on the survey surprising? I don't find it terribly surprising. And uh, uh, of course, the, the, the future of that issue here locally depends on who wins the sheriff's race as well, whether uh, you know incumbent Mark Napier hangs on to his office or the, his immediate predecessor, Chris Nanos, comes back to uh, t- take back the uh, sheriff's post really depends. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play a big role into whether uh, the department is looking to get Stone Garden money and exactly what they are asking to do with Stone Garden money. And they're beyond the question of, do you take that money f- to help support, uh, you know, the Sheriff's Department participating in various border enforcement efforts around the county is specifically what are you going to do with it? And uh, because what the department was doing shifted a little bit over the years and it, when it was taking that money, I think that's where a whole lot of the controversy about that grant arose. Dylan, you've been covering Tucson, Pima County for a long time. This fall's election will bring in some new faces to county government, not just on the Board of Supervisors. We'll have a new county attorney. We'll have a new county recorder. The county's been a Democratic stronghold in those positions for a long time. Will we see a big change of direction, do you think? You know, even though... You know, take the the, the county uh, attorney's office, where the only candidate on the ballot is a Democrat, uh, Laura Conover. She essentially ran against the decades-long record of uh, Barbara Lawal, who was leaving office but had an anointed uh, successor. And uh, Conover wanted to change a whole lot of what another Democrat had been doing. So, you know, Party label is one thing and may give you, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, quick overview of where somebody might stand on the issues, but it certainly doesn't tell you everything about what they intend to do. In this election, I think, you know, I, I can't think of another election in which so much about Pima County was going to shift because of all the new faces in office. And I guess in the interest of disclosure, I have to point out that Laura Conover and I are not related. When it comes to some of those new faces in county government and new faces on the board, we've seen some conflicts uh, between the board and other county elected officials. Uh, County Recorder F.N. Rodriguez and the county board, uh, Betty, as you well know, seem to have a little bit of conflict over uh, Pasquayaki voting locations right now. Sheriff Mark Napier, as we mentioned earlier, over Stone Guard funding. Do those conflicts go away with the new faces on the board um, and in other parts of county government? Or do they just get replaced by other conflicts? I'm sure they'll, they'll be replaced by other conflicts. <laughs> That's just the nature of the beast. But these issues, uh, I think, uh, definitely will go away because FN is going away. Um, and hopefully whoever wins that seat will take a different approach and a different look at our, our uh, sovereign nations and provide them more access. But uh, with, with Stone Garden, I believe that that will be an ongoing issue because there's so many in community that are against it that regardless of who's, who's on the dais, 
um, they're going to get pushback. One of the, the conflicts that you didn't bring up is uh, one that has uh, been a little bit behind the scenes, but uh, I think a, a very fundamental one about how to handle some things between the assessor's office and the board of supervisors. You know, there's been some uh, some serious, serious conflict about that. And uh, maybe uh, Amber can run down how that has impacted the, the business community. We very definitely did receive questions and concerns on what is this going to look like? What assurances do we have? And what um, repercussions will there be if it's not implemented in the way that we expect? I've been doing government affairs for over 15 years. And it makes sense that how people vote is becoming an issue. But it is certainly one that I've never heard of before outside of the context of uh, what method is cheaper for the jurisdiction to implement. As we wrap this up, what do the three of you think will be the biggest challenges and opportunities for this new board? Obviously, the immediate one is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, which is you know, not going to magically vanish on November 4th. This is going to be something that, uh, as we've seen around the world, is going to have some, you know, uh, significant long-term repercussions. And even once we do get a handle on the virus in a better way, and perhaps it's, uh, you know, a little bit or even considerably more safe to start doing some of those things that we used to take for granted, figuring out how to come back from it and deal with all of the, you know, the long-term health issues that some people will have and the long-term costs of, you know, trying to pay off all this money that we've spent dealing with it and will be spending for quite some time is going to be a a big, big issue at every level of government. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think the the priorities that I see are definitely um, the the health issues, you know, the pandemic and, and, and the inequities that have been brought out by the pand- pandemic. So I think that in it itself can be an opportunity. I think um, looking at the challenges and trying to figure out how to find the solutions for them um, can bring opportunity to, to the new board and the new leadership. Working with the public health department, as I have, I've seen how underfunded they've been and how reliant on grants that they are. And I truly believe that that has to change. I mean, they can still be good at writing and getting grants, but we definitely need to um, have a better funded public health system and department. And we have to look at everything that we do with that same lens of how is this going to affect the community, not just for economic development, not just the business. How is this building, this, um, this high rise going to affect all the people that live around um, this area? And so displacement is also a huge issue, especially with the rental evictions that are happening already. So we're going to have to look at um, 
our planning and, and, and zoning issues and uh, so many things. You're getting three new board of supervisors with all new staff that don't know their way around the county either. And so that's going to be a big learning curve as well. Amber, we'll give you the last word on this. I agree with all of the comments, and I want to kind of just throw a curveball on an observation in reading uh, the responses provided. There wasn't one mention of annexation. There was discussion of, are our taxes too high? And one candidate alluded to state shared revenues and the fact that the county doesn't pay sales tax. But if we really want to talk about equity and equality and taxation, it's annexation. That, I mean, that needs to be a focus. And I was surprised that not one candidate even mentioned it. Interesting. Well, now now we'll have to see if uh, any of them are listening and, and, and bring it up uh, when they become new members of the board. Thank you to all three of you for uh, spending some time with us. Thank you. Thank you. That was Amber Smith with the Tucson Metro Chamber, Dylan Smith with the Tucson Sentinel, and Interim District 5 Supervisor Betty Viegas. She replaced Supervisor Richard Elias earlier this year after his sudden death. She is not running for election. There are many aspects of our survey we didn't have time to discuss, to see how the Pima County Supervisor candidates feel about taxes, road funding, and more, visit our website, news.azpm.org. And that's the buzz for this week. Next week, we'll cover the two ballot propositions voters will decide on this fall. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. And Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.